What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 41 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined by the one and only Nicholas Justin Verlander Coates. How are you, sir? Cam, how are you this evening? Um, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to why I might be a little little miffed later in the show, but other than that, I'm doing fine. That's 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 called foreshadowing. Does it have anything to do with the middle name <laughs> that you gave me? Uh, he is he is part of the reason I feel this way. Yes, I'm actually happy for him, but in general, I am not happy with with how the season has gone for ye old Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I when that news went down, I guess you know a week and a half ago now since we weren't able to record last week, I I thought of you and the need to yeah talk about him on our podcast and yeah hopefully to to relive some memories as a tigers fan he's he's been around for quite a long time and especially in this run of success that they had so Mm -hmm. definitely signaling of the end of an era for them but yeah i'm pretty pretty sad i mean he's always been a tiger and had a lot of success there and it's going to be weird seeing him in another uniform but we will definitely have to talk about that Yes, we will we will get there. But first, I think we have some uh crazier things to talk about. Yeah, Cam, there are some weird weird things going on right now. So world's world's crazy. We've got three three hurricanes going in the uh the Caribbean area and off into the Atlantic. Uh, Hurricane Irma is currently battering pretty much the entire state of Florida, so our you know, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with them right now. Um, crazy, crazy storm. I looked at the radar today, and it just seemed like the entire state of Florida was covered in the uh, the red stuff on the, the radar, which is not good. So, No, not good at all. Hopefully everything comes out of that okay. Um, but also, you know, talking about a trivial thing, such as baseball, when you talk about a hurricane like that, and people in the the way of that storm but we have some teams on some pretty momentous winning and losing streaks uh currently so uh strike one the indians have not lost a game since we last uh recorded a podcast even uh before that but they are just gr- grosses me out currently they've won 17 straight and uh they're they're playing right now against the orioles and they have a one and nothing lead in the fourth, so on their way to 18 straight, which is pretty pretty crazy. So that's uh pretty much put to bed the central division in the American League as they've opened up a a nice healthy 12 and a half game lead there. But 17 games that is that is hard hard to do. Yeah, it's I mean as much as I dislike the Indians and all of that. Um, 17 games is crazy. Especially, especially in baseball. It really is. Where it's just, there's just a lot of, uh, any team can win on any day. You know, you're putting out, you're not always putting out your best lineup or your best pitchers. You're putting, you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many variables over, over the course of a 17 game stretch of baseball that, like, it's just, like, I feel like, 
Alabama could win 17 straight football games, and it wouldn't be nearly as big of a deal as 17 straight baseball games. Like, if you actually sat down and thought about it, because Alabama's just that dominant, and they might play two or three good teams, but the rest of them are all going to be clearly worse than them. Uh, And football is just more of a... If you're just better, bigger, faster, stronger, and better coached, you're going to win. You know, 99 times out of 100. Uh, Whereas baseball is just like, you just don't know. You know, you could put your... You know, you could put Verlander or Kershaw or, you know your best pitcher out there and he could still get shelled or they could lose one to nothing. Yeah, exactly. You play amazing defense and pitch really well, but your offense can't hit, you know, the side of a barn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. You don't really see streaks like this. Um, I'm trying to, to look up. I, uh, the, the A's in 2002, the, uh, I think that was the Moneyball team. They won 20 straight. So I think the, those, the Indians and that team are the only teams in the expansion era, so since 1961, uh, to win that, win that many games in a row. So, yeah, we're talking about over 50 years of um, only team, two teams doing this. So Yeah, that's tens of thousands of baseball games in that 50 years, and only two teams have managed to pull it off, yeah. Yeah, and you think about, I mean, that includes some of the dynasties of the Reds Reds teams in the 70s and the Yankees teams uh, when they won all those World Series. Um, it's just so incredibly hard to do um, because baseball is not really set up. Yeah, you're not really getting the best team every single day because a lot of times, yeah, your best team depends on your pitcher. So it's crazy because the Indians were... Um, on July 19th, they had just lost two of three to the Giants, who the second worst team in baseball. And at that time they were 48 and 45, three games over 500. And then they went on a, looks like a, they went on a 10 game win streak there. And pretty much ever since that time, they have just been, yeah winning they their last loss was august 23rd um against the red sox so they've they uh they took the last game of that series then they beat the they they uh beat the Roy- they swept the royals in a series in august in which the royals didn't score a run <laughs> that entire series which the Royals went about, I think it was five or six days without scoring a run, so that was part of that. Then they, they swept the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. They swept the Tigers, a four-game series in Detroit, which included two 10-run games, but then they won one game 3-2. to two. Then they swept, they took four games at Chicago, the White Sox, which not a very good team. Um, and then they've beaten the the Orioles. I mean, there's there's definitely some blowouts in there, but there's several one, two, three run games in there that they've uh, squeaked out. So, I mean, I think you'll see here. They've only. I think the theme of why they have done this, and it makes sense, is in in that span of time, they've only given up. They gave up six runs to the the Red Sox to begin the streak, and then they've given up four runs twice. 
Um, and both time, both those times they scored nine, but every other time they've given up um, three runs or less. So, yeah, that's how you do. That's how you build a streak like that. And uh, it's pretty incredible too because the rotation they're sending out there. I mean, Kluber is a bona fide ace, but you know. Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, those are nice pitchers, but they're definitely not aces. And then um, Clevenger and Tomlin as well. Like, so we'll see. I mean, it's this is the perfect time of year to be have a streak like this, but they uh, they got to keep it going. Hopefully, they haven't peaked at this point. Um, I still, you know, I, I like them for the playoffs. They've they've had recent history of having success in the playoffs, but. We will have to see, you know, they're an injury away from, you know, if they lose Kluber for sure, they're going to be in trouble. But I'm I'm really interested to see if if this can continue um, uh, into the playoffs. So um, beating the, the Royals, Tigers, and White Sox is nice, but can they do that against the the Astros, who are struggling a little bit now too, and the Red Sox? and some of the other good teams in the American League. So we'll see. Yeah, and, uh, well, I guess on the flip side of the 17-game win streak for the Indians is the the 10-game losing streak for the Dodgers. This is almost just as incredible to me. Um, we, uh, yeah, we were just chatting about this. So they've lost 10 in a row, and I believe 13 at their last 14. And they are still 41 games over 500. <laughs> and they still have a nine-game lead over the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks, uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. So they've picked up eight games in 10 days, and they're still nine back. So they could, they could, <laughs> it's crazy. They could do this all over again. The, Do- or the Dodgers could lo- lose 10 more games. Diamondbacks go eight and two, and they would still the Dodgers would still be in first place in the West. So it kind of speaks to the the lead that the Dodgers build up over the course of the year, and the fact that they're still forty one games over five hundred despite that. But, well, yeah, and and what's I mean, add to that the fact that the Dodgers, or sorry, the Arizona Cardinals. Nope, Arizona. The, the, <laughs> sorry, we were talking football. We were talking sport. football earlier. The Diamondbacks are 83 and 60 and would be winning the Central Division and the Eastern Division in the American League if they were in those divisions. So it's not like Arizona's bad. Like to your point, yeah, Dodgers 41 games over 500. The uh, Cardinals are 23. So I mean, it's like they're still really good. And in fact, they're a wild card, are they not? Yes. So, yeah, they're the uh, Diamondbacks and Rockies are still in the wild card race. So, what's crazy? First of all, this is all coincided with the return of Kershaw. So their last you win mean was Kershaw. Hmm. Kershaw. Wow. Title of the episode. So yeah, their last win was September first. Was a one zero win against the Padres with Kershaw on the mound. Um, so not that he's pitched every game, obviously, but you know, they, they were without him for over a month in August and they held up really well. And yeah, they've, they won that first game against the Padres. Then they lost the next three 
Then they lost three to the Diamondbacks, and they just lost four to the Rockies. So all divisional foes, um, including the yeah the Diamondbacks and Rockies, who are in the playoff race. They they I guess helped both of them out, and um, as they're you know chasing a wild card with the Brewers and Cardinals are two games back, but so big wins for the Diamondbacks and Rockies to both go into Dodger Stadium and you know sweep them out. So they've lost, yeah, the Dodgers lost the last seven at, at home in Dodger Stadium. So not really sure what's going on there with. They've got um, they've got their full complement of pitchers. They've, you know, they've they threw Kershaw, they threw Darvish, they got Alex Wood back, they've got Rich Hill. So they're they're at full strength. Um, you know, they're older guys. They did they have an old team. So I don't know if it's them wearing down or if it's just bad luck. Or I mean, you do have a couple teams in the Diamondbacks and Rockies fighting for their playoff lives, but crazy um so i guess the opposite of the indians uh the uh dodgers uh since their losing streaks started have only given up three runs they've given up three runs it's the lowest amount of runs they've given up twice and every other time it's been uh six or more five i guess five once and then the rest are six or more so their pitching is really failing them right now so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Yeah, and the fact that these streaks are happening at the same time too is the like the cherry on top of this little Sunday of fun baseball. Um. Yeah, and another thing, just I mean, I remember watching this like base. This is I mean, baseball is weird. So the Astros were on fire. I mean, pretty much the whole year they they go up at the the end of last week. Or, or no, midweek, mid this week, they go up and sweep the Mariners, who are in playoff contention, and then they go play the A's, who are one of the worst teams in baseball, and they lost four straight, and they got killed every single game. Gave up over, they gave up nine runs or more every single game to the one of the worst offenses in baseball, in the A's, and got swept in a four-game series. So, Verlander did not pitch in any of those games. Maybe that was why, but. He he's on the bump on Tuesday, and they're gonna, you know, hope for him to get them on the right track. So, some uh, weird stuff going on in baseball this week. So, yeah, the um, those teams that were, especially the Astros and Dodgers that had built big leads, are definitely looking a little bit more beatable in the past few weeks. Well, yeah, and the Astros they still have a thirteen game lead, so. You know, it's just, it's, it's that's nice why, to have a cushion. That's why you build those yep. cushions. Yes, exactly. So they just gotta, gotta switch it back and get those, those runs and those uh, better pitching back or else it's going to be some quick exits in the playoffs. Well, in playoffs, that changes everything. And speaking of playoffs and teams that have large uh, cushions of games, the, uh, the old uh, Washington Nationals, the team that Nick loves to hate, uh, they clinched the division today. I don't. I don't hate them. I just think that the National League East is not uh, not good. Oh no, it's not good. But they're good. They have eighty eight wins. They are good, and um, a lot of those are against those four teams. But it's not. So. It's not their fault. They're in a bad division. 
I'm not saying it's their fault. Yeah, but you're qual- you're quantifying their wins, Nick. You're being a hater. <laughs> I'm expressing a little skepticism, <laughs> and also coinciding with their playoff struggles in the past. I I would just like I would like to see it. I would like to see them beat some good teams in the playoffs before I I crown them as one of the best teams in baseball. But yeah, congratulations to the Nationals clinching their division on September 10th, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. So they uh yeah, they have a healthy 20 game lead at this point. So they um to uh yeah, to reference how bad this division is. So Nationals have a plus 157 run differential and the the uh, next best is the Miami Marlins with a minus 38. <laughs> followed by oh, no. the Braves at minus 80, the Mets at minus 78, and the Philadelphia Phillies at minus 121. Oh, no. That's, so, that's real bad. The, the Mets would have been worse, except the Reds went in there and just crapped a bed and lost three out of four to... uh. It's a really bad Mets team, so. So, yeah, congratulations to the Nationals. I would love to know how many, just, I wish I could bring it up, how many of those 88 wins were against those four teams, which would probably be well over half, but, hey, um, they they played those games and they won them, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they don't deserve to be in the playoffs, because they do. Um, but let's just see what happens in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, so to make a football parallel, do you remember back when we were in college and the person I love to refer to as my cousin, Colt Brennan, was the coach or the quarterback for Hawaii? And they went, yes, they went undefeated. You Go ahead. Always played with him in NCAA football. Well, I mean, I that. we're both we're both very handsome and have the same last name, so you know clearly we're related. Um, and played college football at Hawaii. Oh gosh, I wish. But that's where my dad thought I was going to go to college. Like, just go sit on a beach. Um, anyways, but they went undefeated one year. I think it was Colt's senior year, and he threw for like just some stupid amount of like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of yards and like 50 touchdowns or something stupid. And so they got put into, I think it was the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. And Georgia ate Hawaii for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and dessert. Colt Brennan got knocked out of the game. It was like Hawaii didn't even have an offensive line. The ball would get (laughs) hiked, and Colt Brennan was just, like, decapitated multiple times. Mm -hmm. I loved Hawaii because they played a really fun video game style of football, but they were in the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, um, and that's back when Boise was in it. So they were like the two good teams. But yeah, so to your point, I mean, I feel like that's probably the parallel you're wanting to draw with Washington is they're the best of a bunch of other crappy teams. And when they run into the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks or, you know, the Cubs or pretty much anyone else from different division, you're not necessarily thinking they're going to hold up to them. And you, you, you have, you know, historical president as well. So I just like to rib you about them because <laughs> that's all. Well, I like. I like to rib them because Dusty Baker um, drives me insane in his managerial tactics. Right, so. Rightfully so. And he is he has not been known as a, a good playoff manager. So it uh yeah, it reminds me, you know, we're talking about blast from the past and like learning lessons from history, you know. 
I always am a little hesitant too when a team clinches this early. Cause I, you know, I was a Colts fan, and uh, you know, there was many a time where we would clinch early. You know, rest our players at the end of the season, and then get up, get upset early in the playoffs by a team who had been, I guess, for lack of, I mean, they're they had been metal their foot has been down on the on the gas pedal the entire time. They hadn't really given up, taken a breath. Uh, and I, I don't think it's a perfect, you know, correlation to baseball, but there's something to, you know, obviously the Nationals are going to ease up a little bit. They should because Scherzer and Strasburg are dealing with some injuries. Um, Scherzer just came back. He's got a neck issue, so I doubt they're going to be pitching him 100%, you know, every single time. They're going to try to conserve him. They're going to try to conserve Strasburg. So, you know, they have a solid three weeks now of, you know, being able to conserve some innings. I don't know if they'll skip any starts, but, you know, when um, that first playoff series comes back and you got to ramp it up to 100% again, sometimes it's it's tough to do. Yeah, definitely. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And oftentimes, too, those Colts are playing the team that, you know, hit the stride at the right time, got the wild card, and they're always dangerous. You know, right? Um, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I think we've both made our cases for and against the Nationals, and now we just gotta, you know, the Nationals. I I love them in a series. I mean, anytime you can throw Scherzer and Strasburg one two, like you're gonna you're gonna be set up well because you're gonna have to face like the team's gonna have to beat them at least once or twice because they're gonna both pitch four times in a series potentially. You know, if you show, if you start the game one starter on short rest, maybe they get well. Have to face Scherzer three times, but crazy stuff happens in the playoffs. The Nationals have been here before. They shut Strasburg down <laughs> when he was younger. That would I think they're gonna regret that for the rest of their franchise history because you know you can't just assume they're gonna make the playoffs year after year. But I don't know. They they. They run up against the hot team in October, and it could all go away. But crazy, yeah, that they've uh, they've clinched this early. So they've got three weeks to to get healthy, figure out who uh, figure out the rotation, get it all lined up like they want, and um, two, yeah, get Bryce Harper healthy. Um, maybe even get him some at bats at the end of the year if possible, so he can be a hundred percent for the start of the playoffs. Indeed. Well, Nicholas. It's time. I, I know. I, I've been preparing myself all episode and I think I think we have to talk about the trades that the, t- yeah. the Tigers made. Yeah, so just a reference. So it's been at the uh, the end of August, at the end of the the uh the waiver trade trade deadline right right at the deadline i get i mean i was in bed so i guess the deadline there was you know pretty much the end of august so it came out around 12:15 in the morning that there had been a trade evidently there was initially a, they said a trade had happened but then it didn't go through but then it did for Verlander to go to the astros which they did get a nice uh, package of prospects back much nicer than in their other trades um but yeah, big, big trade for the Tigers. Um, they uh, traded Verlander, who's been their ace for seems like forever. He uh, he's really been good. 
in an age where pitchers get hurt and um, it seems like they have shortened windows of just dominance. You know, this is a guy that has just been dominating the league ever since he came up and has really only had one or two years where he, you know, maybe didn't dominate like he had before. And he's really resurged this year as well. But um, I know definitely a sad day for me as a, as a baseball fan. And then, uh, yeah, love to hear your thoughts as a Tigers fan. What Verlander meant to you and yeah, well, where you go from Let's here. also, uh, before we dive into that, note that they traded Justin Upton as well. Yes, they did. So they so, traded him. So they traded J.D. Martinez, Wilson, Upton, and Verlander. And yeah. got nothing for Martinez. Like, no offense to the dudes they actually got. Like, you're all infinitely better than me at baseball. Yeah, but I have a but saved, I have a microphone. So. <laughs> they saved some money um, and, on Upton because he was, I guess he has an option, a player option. So he would, you know, most likely because he's having a great year, he was going to opt out of his contract. So basically, the Tigers were like, "We're going to lose him, yeah, for nothing." No, I get in it. A month, I, so I, that's why they got very little in return. I, I understand all of that, and I get it, and it's you know. It's a good business decision and all that stuff, but it's just like I remember when the Tigers were the worst team in baseball. Two thousand and three, they lost a hundred games. Mm-hmm. Like I remember what it was like when Brandon Inge was your only All Star because in baseball every team gets an All Star. I remember a game where Brandon Inge played all nine positions. I always remember in that area they had a guy named was his last name Fig. Fig. Carlton Fig or something. I'll have to look him up. Carlton Fisk? It, no, it wasn't. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Anyways, I remember when we had Nate Robertson and Jeremy Bonderman and... Robert Fick. Ro- That's what oh, it was. okay. I don't remember him. I don't know why. I don't know why I remember him, but that was in the era where the uh, Tigers were, yeah, really bad. And I just like I remember the days when they were just god awful, and it wasn't fun. Now, granted, th- those were the days when the Pistons were incredible, you know. So we had like that to you know look forward to. But then we get Justin Verlander, and like so my memories of Verlander, like I don't have very many specific memories per se. Like outside of like Kate Upton's tweet when Porcello won the Cy Young, which is like gonna go down as one of the best tweets of all time. Um, but just it seemed like when we got Verlander, that is when the standard started to change, and it took it took a couple of years before you know we became a playoff team, and then it took you know a year or two, and then we made the World Series, and we had like Kenny Rogers and um. Todd Jones was our closer and he had an amazing mustache, you know, uh, and we got Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis. I remember, gosh, what a weirdo that guy was. <laughs> but like it to me, like when I think of Verlander as a Tigers fan, I think of the Tigers finally becoming relevant mm-hmm. and finally becoming consistent in being above average. Not always being great, there. You know, he had he had I think one or two years where he was just like, I don't know if it was just a choice or you know he just had to adjust to being older and it took him a year or two to figure out where he wasn't great. But then he bounced back and had an amazing year last year. 
mm-hmm. and he's you know done well this year too. So I just I think for me when I think of Justin Verlander and I think of his time in Detroit, I I see him as kind of the figurehead that represented the um the evolution of the Tigers into a top uh you know top 10 team every year. Now we made it to two World Series, couldn't win either of them. Um, and especially the second one, we were heavily favored to win and we got swept, uh, which is just like, that's baseball, right? Crazy stuff just happens. Um, but yeah, he, he represents to me, if I can be like super repetitive for the fifth time, uh, he represents to me the Tigers at their best. And he's, he's, you know, he's calm, he's, uh, straightforward. He's not flamboyant. He's not a distraction. He just goes out there shuts people down and then goes and lives his life you know he's got an arm arm of rubber yeah he's never hurt plus his name in mlb05 was johnny snare which is probably the best video game name ever Um, that's my favorite so yeah i just so that that's what i think about him that's how i will remember him um as a tiger and you know he had a no trade clause so you know they were asking him about getting the news was asking him about getting traded he's like look I'd love to stay here and finish my career in Detroit. I love it here. You know, this is this, I've built a life here. He's like, but if I go somewhere, it's, it's my choice. So I'm not going to wind up in a situation I don't want to be in. And so I wonder if there were other trades on the table that he shut down that we just will never know about. Um, but, you know, he chose Houston and I think he chose wisely. And I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do in the playoffs for a team. Cause I really want him to win a world series cause he deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, he is good enough and has done enough, um, over his entire career that he's one of those dudes. You're like, gosh, I really want to see him with a ring. So I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm obviously sad to see him go, but it's one of those, like, I want him to have that opportunity and that experience because he deserves it, you know? So, that's how I feel about yep. it. Well, he immediately goes to the top of that rotation and will be a huge reason why the, the Astros will either succeed or fail in the playoffs. So I think that's where he wants to be. You know, he's not not getting any younger for sure. I mean, he's he has got over 2,500 innings on his arm, which is incredible. So he, um, yeah, I was just looking up. He was the number two overall pick in the 2004 draft, which I didn't realize. And, um, yeah, the Tigers made a great pick there because Matt Bush was not the number one overall pick by the Padres that year as a shortstop. And he just recently, actually, he went to jail for a while. And then he just recently made it up as a pitcher for the the Rangers. But then the uh, the picks after him were Philip Umber, Jeff Neiman, Mark Rogers, Jeremy Sowers, and then Homer Bailey from the Reds. So... It's, that goes to show you how crazy the draft is. But, um, yeah, that was a franchise-altering pick right there. Um, I sh- you know, shudder to think if the Tigers would have taken uh, Mark Rogers, whoever yeah. that is. Anyone on that list besides Homer Bailey. <laughs> yeah. He's the only one I even Billy remember. Billy Butler was in that draft. Um, they Royals drafted him as a third baseman, which is hilarious. Uh, Jared Weaver was in that draft. Um, Steven Drew, Trevor Plouffe. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of names on there that uh, never made the majors. 
is crazy. But yeah, Verlander, his uh, he came up. He made his made his major league debut in 2005. So we were. I wasn't even. I was. I graduated from high school in 2005. And um, so yeah, when we were in college, it was when he really came to prominence. Yeah, he was 24. He that was his. Even when he was 23, he had a, he pitched 186 innings, and uh, had a really respectable 3.63 ERA. And um, yeah, he just 2009 240 innings, 2011 250, 2012 238. 2015 was the first time he didn't throw 200 innings since his debut. Crazy. Yeah, he's just been consistent. He ha- he had one year. In 2014, he had a 454 ERA, and yeah, he's been in the the mid twos, lower threes, um, pretty much ever since then. His his ERA his ERA is 374 right now, which isn't great, but I know that he's been a ton better. He had a rough first half of the season, but he has been a ton better in the second half, and has been pitching really really well the last couple months. So yeah, I think he's gonna do really well for the Astros, but. I'll never forget Johnny Snare on uh, MVP 05 mm-hmm. well, because uh, he wasn't a major leaguer, so they couldn't use his real name. Yeah. But uh, best baseball name ever. One one last thing before we move on. Um, the one thing that I, the thing that I think I appreciate the most about Verlander and how he pitches is like when he, maybe not so much now, but when he was younger, he could hit 102, 103 if he really wanted to. In, mm-hmm. but he chose to throw 97, 98, so he could put it right on the edge. And that to me showed a lot of intelligence. And then every once in a while, he'd reach back and just, you know, hit 102 um, just to keep you on your toes. Um, but the fact that he would take a little bit of speed off just to get better control so he could pinpoint place it, like that, you're not just throwing then, you're pitching. You know what I mean? Um, and I just, that that always stuck with me to see him, you know, conserve his arm a little bit and to pitch intelligently, um, as opposed to just trying to overpower people like I don't know, Joel Zamaya, uh, another ex Tiger <laughs> pitcher. Um, yeah, you know, so just a little little tidbit there, you know. Um, he he always had that hammer curveball. Mm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, uh, sad day, but um, still. Still a Verlander fan. Hope he does well in, in um, Houston for as long as yeah he can keep it going. So it'd be great to see him uh, finish his career in Detroit if that if it works out like that. Um, but we'll see. I feel like Verlander's one of those when his arm goes, it's gonna go. It, yeah, it's gonna go, especially with the human body. Just that many innings on an arm. It's uh, that's tough. But but yeah. Um, good luck, Justin. So just wrapping up the news, um, Aaron Judge hit his 40th home run today. So second rookie, first, uh, probably non-steroid rookie to do it. (laughs) Do you know who, uh, who was the only rookie to hit 40 home runs? What year was it in? 1987. 1987 rookie. Was it? And you said steroids, so I'm gonna go with 
Mark McGuire. That is correct. All right. I was considering Jose Canseco, but I know that I knew that he was a rookie before '87. Um, yeah, he had 47 home runs his rookie year. So. Holy, and he was Oakland, right? Yeah. Okay. Goodness gracious, that's nuts. So, very impressive. Um, yeah, we'll see how that continues. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see him in the playoffs. He's a guy that could uh, be a series changer, but he could also strike out 10 times in three games and not be a factor, but he's having a really nice year for sure. Um, but yeah, congratulations to Aaron Judge. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for him. And um, yeah, last time we talked, Giancarlo had to hit a bunch of home runs. He's, uh, I think he's still at 54. So he, yeah, just at that. So he slowed down a little bit, but um, don't think he's going to quite get to 70 or anything like that, but still a pretty incredible, um, you know, incredible feat to hit that many home runs. But we're also talking about a guy that's just massive and very strong. Yeah. I didn't realize how big he was. Like I, I knew like he was, a yeah, he's he, huge. I didn't know he, I knew he was a big dude, but then, um, WWE posted, yeah, I, I watch wrestling, get over it. Um, posted a picture of uh they were in the New York area for SummerSlam, they were in Brooklyn. Um and so some of the WWE superstars gave Aaron Judge a WWE title belt for just, you know, being a stud. And he's standing next to a guy named Braun Strowman, who WWE says is seven feet tall. He's not. They always add like, you know, four or five inches to the big guys to make him, you know, a bigger and He's standing, Aaron Judge is standing next to Braun Strowman, whose nickname is the Monster Among Men. The dude weighs like 380 pounds, and he's all muscle. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Judge is like an inch shorter than him. And I was just like, oh, like that's when I realized, like, holy crap, this dude is a monster. Like, mm-hmm. I never really, I knew he was big, but I didn't really have any reference point for it. And I hadn't looked up how tall he was. And I saw him, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> he's a beast of a human yeah he's very large and in a non like in a very natural way he's large he's not like yoked like some of those other guys before i miss smoke uh mcguire had 49 in 87 so that's even crazier yeah that's that's not natural (laughs) not natural but um yeah i would love to see giancarlo get 60 so he's got he's got 20 games to hit six more um, or even yeah, sixty-one, the old Roger Maris record. But uh, yeah, he's having a great season. So, well, Cam, we've got uh three weeks, three weeks from today, uh, before the season ends. Um, which is always hard to believe. Also, only three weeks away from October first. So fall is moving right along, but. We uh we we touched on a few, obviously uh of the divisions, in our on our recap. But um, yeah, just a quick check in as we wrap up here. We still have some some pretty interesting races. Um, as we finish up, um, just making note of a few. So in the American League East, the uh, the Yankees have uh, tightened up the the deficit a little bit. They're only three and a half back of the Red Sox now picked up a couple games in the last week. Um the Yankees uh 
having a quietly a pretty good year, especially in the win-loss record, or in the, obviously the win-loss record, but also the run differential. They, uh, they even have a better run differential than the Astros, so by that metric, they're the second-best team in the American League. Um, Indians, like I said, they've got a huge lead now in the Central. They'll have that, uh, at this pace, they'll have that wrapped up pretty shortly. And uh, the Astros, even though they've lost four in a row, still have a 13-game lead in the wild card. So the uh, the wild card is even the second wild card position is where it's all at. So the um, yeah the uh, the Twins still have the lead in that in that uh, um, the second wild card, but the uh, the Angels are only a game back, and then there are three teams. Uh, tied at 71 and 71, the Royals, Orioles, and Rangers. And then the, the, Mar- the Mariners and Rays are just a half a game behind them. So there are seven teams within uh, a couple games of the second wild card. So still a super tight race. There are probably some pretenders in there that I don't, yeah. I'm not really sure how the Roy- the Royals have a minus 64 run differential in our 500. So there's some luck going on there. But hey, uh, the Rangers were that team last year that had that terrible run differential. But wins are all at all that counts. So I don't know. The uh, Twins are they're hanging on by a thread. Buxton has really rebounded, which gives them some hope. But um, definitely surprised by the Angels. They've they've had a really quite a good year missing trout for most of it but um it will be definitely interesting to see who ends up getting that second wild card any thoughts about the american league uh, i just like that it's close i know that i mentioned this last episode but it just provides all of the fans for all seven of those teams meaningful baseball at the end of the year you know mm-hmm. knowing knowing that six of them aren't going to make the playoffs but that's seven fan bases that have meaningful baseball to enjoy for the last month of the season, which is better than the National League can say, right? So yeah, from that yeah. standpoint, I just that just makes me happy because that's that's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that get to watch a game in September that actually matters. You know? That's mm-hmm. not happening in Detroit. I can tell you that. <laughs> I remember talking with I think it was right around this time last year about the validity of a one game playoff, but within that, I mean, anything can happen. Obviously, in that one game, and then you catch a bit of a hot streak. You catch a team who's, you know, in a little bit of a daze, and you can make a little run. So I can, I can definitely see some teams get hot here, and you know, the the Rays and Mariners have some good pitching. So if they um if they can make that leap. The Angels just got Garrett Richards back and they have got a they've got a good lineup. So we'll see. Um pretty much, yeah, it looks like for the right, unless the Yankees overtake the Red Sox, it'll be the right to go play the Yankees uh, in a one game. But that will be very interesting. Um so yeah, the National League not quite uh in two of the divisions. Really no races to be had there. Um the America or the National League Central has really tightened up. The Brewers swept the Cubs to come within two games. Yeah, that makes things so, interesting. Huge series there for the, the Cubs and the Brewers. So the Brewers had just been swept by the Reds and go into Chicago and sweep the, the Cubs to bring within two. So 
Cardinals are still right there. Somehow, some way, not really sure. Their team's not even that good. Um, but I, I have a suspicion they're going to still be in the say at the end of the year. But yeah, obviously we talked about it. The Diamondbacks and Rockies got big series sweeps in, in, um, in L.A. to maintain a, a two-game lead in the wild card for... I said series, not Siri. My phone <laughs> just went off. Um, so yeah, still the still the Diamondbacks and Rockies for the wild card there, which would be really interesting because it's still set up to be a little playoff within the West. So whoever would win that Diamondbacks Rockies game would play the Dodgers in the the next series, and then at this point it would be a Cubs uh, Nationals uh, division series as well. So. Yeah, very excited to see. I love to think about um, the potential matchups as the positions become a little bit more solidified in the next couple of weeks. But still, a lot of a lot of things to be decided. A lot of exciting baseball to be had here in the last three weeks. So indeed. Well, uh, been great as always, and um, yeah, hopefully you can get through your grieving process with Justin. <laughs> no, and, I'm, um, I'm happy for him, you know? It's not like we're buddies. <laughs> start to, yeah, start to get to know the next crop of what are, what are baby tigers called? I don't know. Cubs? Little, little tiger cubs. Yeah. You can get to know your little tiger cubs as they grow into mature into uh, Major League Baseball players. Yeah, oh joy. Another 10-year rebuilding process. We'll have to uh, spend an episode this winter on uh, the Tigers' farm system. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> Call it episode. First of all. Giving Cam hope. <laughs> to give you hope, but also, yeah, some uh, awareness of what's to come. But All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this episode. Nicholas, thank you, as always, for your fervor and knowledge when it comes to baseball. I appreciate it. Always a it. pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, we will be back next time. And until then, um, be good. Bye. Bye.